Welcome to the Your Take Podcast. Welcome on in to episode four of the Your Take Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Stern, and today we'll be debating who would you rather build a franchise around between the two rising superstars in the Western Conference, Luka Doncic or Zion Williamson. But before we get into today's debate, let's recap the last episode where Daniel and Matt debated whether teams should or should not tank. And we'll be revealing our poll winners to hear who won the debate right after I give a little quick overview on my personal thoughts on tanking. So for me, I thought that for last episode, for a tanking-related debate, there was very little talk about the Sixers, who I personally believe are the best example of why a team in the modern day would tank. Now, I'm not just a homer, not just a Philly fan for saying this. I will explain why. So from 2003 the 2003-2004 season through the 2011-2012 season, the Sixers finished between 6th and 11th in the East every single year. They were stuck in mediocrity. They were not good enough to actually compete for a finals, to make it to the finals, but they were not bad enough to receive a top draft pick, and as a result, were unable to draft a superstar to actually put their team over the edge. Now, during those years, the Sixers actually made really, really good draft picks and really, really high-value draft picks for the picks, for the picks that they had. 2004, they took Andre Iguodala ninth overall. 2005, they took Lou Williams 45th overall. 2007, they took Thaddeus Young 12th overall. 2009, they took Drew Holiday 17th overall. And 2011, they took Nikola Vucevic 16th overall. Those five players today, Iggy won finals MVP. Lou Williams has been sixth man of the year multiple times. Thad Young, Drew Holiday, Nikola Vucevic have all, a couple of them made all-star appearances. They've also are all just really solid stars and contributors on teams for the past decade or more. So the Sixers, what they were missing, they were really missing a true superstar to pull all these pieces together and make them an actual contender that could compete for a finals. They weren't getting anyone for agency, and they didn't have the top draft picks to actually draft a player who would turn into a superstar. So what happened in the 2012-2013 season, before it started, they went all in to try to get Andrew Bynum. They traded for Andrew Bynum, hoping that he would be the ultimate player, the star, that would put them over the top and make them an East contender. Well, Bynum, after having his best season with the Lakers ever, wound up hurting his knees. He actually bold in more matches than he did games with the Sixers. He played zero games for the Sixers. If you remember correctly, he actually, uh, in the middle of his rehab process, re-hurt his knee while bowling and wound up not playing the rest of the season. And after that, the Sixers went in, went, went in all in for a superstar. He wound up getting hurt, not playing a single game. And at that point, they were like, okay, you know what? We tried not tanking. We tried just being, being as competitive as possible for the last decade. It did not work. We tried to trade for a superstar that also didn't work. So you know what? We have to tank. That's what we have to do in order if we're going to compete for finals, if we're going to compete for championships, if we're going to be a really good team, we need superstar potential. And after free agency and trades failed them, the only option left was to tank. And that is when the Sixers went all in on tanking by trading Drew Holiday for the sixth overall pick, which turned into Nerlens Noel in the 2013 NBA draft, and which then ultimately started the process. So I think that when you think about it and why the Sixers tanked, they tried getting superstars through the draft. They tried getting superstars through trading in free agency but they never had those top picks to really try to draft the superstar successfully, which led them down the road of tanking. So now let's get into our debate results, our poll results. Congratulations to Daniel Benuni for receiving 73% of the votes. Many of you must have agreed with him that teams should be tanking. I thought that he did a great job at winning the debate. So thank you, Dan, for a fantastic debate. And thank you, Matt, as well, for offering your, your great point of view, too. So now let's get into episode four. Let's get into today's debate. Today, we'll be debating a topic that will probably be debated now, when the season's going on in August, when the season ends, when next year's playoffs are going on, in three years and five years. And that question is, 
Who would you rather build a franchise around? Luka Doncic or Zion Williamson? Now, I'm sure all three of us can agree that both players are rising superstars in the league. They both have the opportunity to pro probably win multiple All-NBA first teams throughout their careers, compete for MVPs, potentially make the Pelicans and the Mavericks two of the top teams in the Western Conference as Steph Curry and LeBron James and all the other superstars in the West kind of start to age out into their early to, to mid-30s. And it's going to leave Luka and Zion as the two perennial superstars and MVP candidates that we see in the Western Conference. And it sure will make for a rousing debate. So before we get into our debate, let's introduce our two debaters, starting with Jack Quigley. Hi, I'm Jack. Uh, I just graduated from IU Bloomington this, uh, this spring, and I'm a huge Celtics fan. I grew up in Indianapolis, so it's weird that I'm not a Pacers fan, but I've been a Celtics fan all my life. And yeah, that's me. Now let's introduce Joe Plata. Hey, my name is Joe Plata. I started university in California a little bit ago. Uh, I'm not on the Golden State Warriors bandwagon, but growing up in Salem, Oregon, I'm a big fan of the future 2020 NBA champion, Portland Trailblazers. They got to make it uh, into the eight seed first before before they yeah, can even we'll try to win that championship. We'll see about that. Yeah. Easy. They're, they're healthy now. We'll see about that. So Jack is going to be debating uh, for Zion Williamson. Joe will be debating for Luka Doncic. Uh, Jack won the coin toss, decided to go first. So Jack, why don't you start us off and tell me why you would rather build a franchise around Zion Williamson instead of Luka Doncic. All right. So I'll, I'll start with saying, and that Luka Doncic is undoubtedly an NBA superstar and is a key part of the future for the NBA. That's There's no doubt about that. But when you take into account Zion Williamson's athleticism, his defensive potential, and his unprecedented marketability, he is all of what Luka is and then some. He His brief career in college and in the NBA has proven to fans and players that he's a once-in-a-lifetime talent people have never seen. He's the most efficient college player of all time. He's put up scoring numbers in the first few NBA games that are unprecedented, and he's still only 19 years old. He hasn't gotten the opportunity to prove his talent like Luka has because Luka's played two full seasons almost in the NBA. But just because Zion is a year younger, and he's only played 19 full games, that should not count against him. He, In the short time that he has played against top competition, whether it be elite college programs or NBA Hall of Famers, He's always risen to the occasion. And I would say the only player in modern history who's been as hyped as Zion is coming into the league is LeBron James. And similar to LeBron James, Zion has come in immediately and not only lived up to the hype, but exceeded the hype that was coming in when he was drafted. He's first game ever in the NBA. He scored 17 straight points in the fourth quarter to almost beat the Spurs, which is a storied organization and he's averaged nearly 23 he's compared physically to guys like lebron shaq charles barkley all of these guys are not only hall of fame players but they're arguably top 15 players to ever pick up a basketball and if he gets anywhere close to that he will also be one of the best players to ever play the game all right, thank you, Jack. So, Joe, tell me now why you'd rather build a franchise around Luka Doncic instead of Zion Williamson. All right. I, well, I think before arguing between Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson, we first need to look at the question at hand. Who would you rather build a franchise around? There are obviously a lot of ways you could approach this question, but I think we can all agree that it comes down to one main thing. Who will help your team win the most games? When comparing Luka and Zion, 
you can see Luca's far and away the better option. And Luca, you're getting a player who inherited a 24 and 58 team that went 33 and 20 when he plays despite a mediocre supporting cast. You're getting a player who had one of the best rookie seasons of all time, winning Western Conference Rookie of the Year and Rookie of the Month all six all six months, and followed that effort up by substantially improving in nearly every metric and giving the Mavericks their first playoff berth since Dirk Nowitzki was their lead scorer. It's hard to compare two completely different players, but when looking to anchor a franchise, skill set and positional value matter. As a Mavericks primary playmaker who had the second highest usage rate in the NBA, Luca has the ability to affect nearly every play of the Mavericks, and he's certainly made the most of these opportunities. Between the 8.7 assists he dishes out per game and his 81% of field goals he makes unassisted, Luke has been the driving force in putting the Mavericks on track to have the highest offensive rating of any team in NBA history, even ahead of the 2018-2019 Golden State Warriors. Well, Luka is the Mavericks offense, Zion does and always will rely on a solid distributor like Lonzo or Drew Holiday to throw him alley-oops and hit him on cuts, and on solid three-point shooters like J.J. Redick and Brandon Ingram to space out the floor so we can bully defenders down low without worrying about defenders dropping down. Zion is an athletic freak and can be a great player, but his skill set simply doesn't allow him to command the floor like Luke can. In today's NBA, there's nothing more valuable than a player who can score at will and create opportunities for his teammates, and Luca fits that description to a T. We also can't have this conversation without mentioning how long Luke and Zion can be their franchise players for. At 6'6", 285, this man puts 5,000 newtons of force on his knees on his max jump, the equivalent of 1,100 pounds. One can endure that for long without risking injuries like we've already seen him suffer in both college and in the NBA. Zion will likely have to either suffer chronic knee problems for the rest of his career or will have to slim down, which will take away one of his greatest advantages and make him change the way he approaches the game, especially considering 85% of all of his shots now come within the restricted area. It's hard, if not, it's hard to imagine him ever playing a full 82-game season. Luka might not be the embodiment of a human wrecking ball like Zion is, but he clearly doesn't need to be to have an MVP caliber season at 20 years of age. Sick dunks won't win championships, but a LeBron-esque line of 28.7 points, 9.3 boards, and 8.7 assists just might. Luka has a clear track record of winning an elite performance. Give me that any day over an undersized, unproven knee injury waiting to happen. All right, thank you guys both for those, for those opening statements. We heard great opinions from each of you. Does one of you guys kind of want to start off defending your take and what the other person had to say? I'll start off. I'll start off just by what you just said. Undersized. You, you called Zion undersized. Undersized for what exactly? Well, he's a six foot six power forward. Well, but who is who is going to guard him? Is what I'm saying because if you look at it, if he you have from his 19 games he's played in the league, he's played guys like Gobert, Steve Adams, who are obviously taller. That is quick. Quickness can get around those guys, and he still has the strength to finish above them. So I, don't, I wouldn't call him undersized. If anything, he's one of the biggest guys in the entire league. And I, I, I don't. I, I think Luca is. He, he's oversized for his position, but just because he Zion is technically classified as a power forward, I don't think you can call him undersized. I mean. I guess like the like he's classified as a power forward because he plays a position power forward and center. So, and with regard to height, which obviously is a big factor and one of the reasons why he averaged what like seven boards a game despite his elite athleticism and about half a block per game. 
you can see where his size affects him. I mean, he's a behemoth and like hard to move. And you're right. He can get around some of the taller defenders. But like I said, like I said in the opening statement, if the team he's playing on doesn't have floor spacing and someone to get him the ball on in a good position, he's he's not going to be able to achieve what just he to, Just to add, you could say that. Just to add, I was going to say, just to add on to that, um, I know we kind of talked about how he's power forward center type, but he's a little undersized. Obviously, he's only played 19 games. It's kind of too small a sample size to really make any conclusions. Um, but so far, he's taken over 76% of his shots within three feet of the basket. And for his position, he's in the 28th percentile when it comes to field goal percentage within four feet. Now, to make up for that, he does draw a lot of fouls. He's in the 94th percentile for all bigs on fouls drawn. Um, so that does make up for his lack of finishing ability that we've seen so far at the rim. But uh, his undersized could, him being undersized could also possibly be the cause of that as well. Well, that might be true, but you have to also take into account he's played 19 games and he in high school if you look at his highlight tapes he's playing against five six white guys like he he going from college he obviously played taller bigger guys but it's going to be an adjustment coming into the nba you're playing the biggest best best athletes there are i think if any player in the last 10 20 years is equipped to go against the athletes that the nba has it would be zion Williams. and i will say that his athleticism and like his vertical and his size and it's kind of freakish combination of like power and strength and touch kind of all can help him do those things. Uh, you know, I'd like to touch on one of like the main facts that I've heard in like a couple of your different arguments. And that's about, you know, Zion's potential. And obviously, I mean, he has all the gifts. He could be a great player, but that's all it is at this point. Potential. He's played 19 games at the highest level. I don't see how you can go back to his college days or his high school days and talk about how that is indicative of his success in the NBA. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when people were saying Andrew Wiggins was the best prospect since LeBron James. So I, I, just, I just find it hard to believe that you can like genuinely take a player who's played 19 games at the highest level over a player who in his second year is probably gonna finish in the top five of the MVP voting. You're betting on potential when Luca's already achieved and is still improving on what he could be. But what does Luca actually in the league achieve besides numbers? And Zion has played 19 games, and in college he's achieved numbers that nobody has ever seen, including a 40.84 PER, which is the best of any college player of all time in the last, since it's been recorded. And even when he was playing in the 19 games that he played, he still averaged 24, 7, and 2. And when, I mean, when Luca was an MVP in the EuroLeague, he only averaged 16, 5, and 4. To be fair, and this Jack, is the same the, age against a better competition. I was going to say, in the EuroLeague, he, he did only really play like 24 minutes a game or so. So I think it's not the most fair comparison from a staff who is perspective. He, he's playing against Nando DiColo and Jan Vesely. That's, it's not as impressive as even playing against some of the top players in college. Like being on the same team as RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish and still putting up almost 24 points a game. That's got to count for something. You can't just say it doesn't matter just because it's not in the NBA. All right, Joe. We've yeah, heard a lot. We, we've heard a lot about uh, what Zion or what Zion can or can't do. So, so let, let's hear like why why you'd build around Luca for for Luca's arguments. What what does Luca bring to the table? Yeah, well, I mean, in Luca, you have a player who uh, was the sixth leading point scorer, fourth in the NBA in player efficiency rating, fourth in assists per game and had the most rebounds of any guard. 
he is a player who just who commands and dominates the floor. He creates opportunities both for himself and for his teammates. He he is the Mavericks offense. He is he he is what has led them to be on track for the best offensive rating of any team in history. Like he he in his second year has already turned the franchise around from a mediocre bottom feeder to a solid playoff contender. Uh, could I respond to that real quick? Yeah. I think that, yeah, he has definitely led his team to have a great offense, but he's not doing it alone. He has Kristaps Porzingis. He has Rick Carlisle, who has historically been a good offensive coach. And he's got an organization that is entirely dedicated from day one to building a team that fits his specific skill set. And I think once Zion gets more games and more of an opportunity to build a roster around him, you might see the type of play that, you know, you see a guy like Giannis who can't shoot, but he can get to the rim and draw defenders and kick to shooters who will obviously splash all day. Like, I don't think that Zion's gotten the same opportunity there that Luka has. I think just to kind of get, I mean, some, get some context to Luka's stats a little bit more and, like, how much he actually has helped his team. Obviously, Joe, you mentioned that the Mavs are on pace to possibly have one of the best offensive ratings ever. And I think Luka really does elevate his teammates uh, really well. Luka's second in the league behind only LeBron James in assist percentage, which measures what percentage of his teammates' shots did he assist on. So he's assisting on 44.7% of his teammates' shots. You look at the players around him, Porzingis is coming off of a torn ACL and no longer being the number one option and is still having the second best season of his career. Seth Curry, who's the starting shooting guard next to Luka, is having his highest player efficiency rating ever and the best shooting percentages of his career. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is having the second highest PER of his career and the highest three-point percentage of his career. So Luka, I think, not only is scoring and making the Mavericks such a dynamic scoring threat, but he's also elevating the play of his teammates as well, which I'm not saying is something that Zion can't do, but it's something that we've really seen Luka already do at the highest level. You're right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, and I think, honestly, like, kind of like what you touched on your opening statement, like, Zion, Zion definitely has the potential, you know, to be a more LeBron-esque player, but that really, that really hinges on him developing into like a floor general, like LeBron. That is, that is like probably LeBron's biggest strength is that he commands, like he makes the defense pay attention to him and really does elevate his teammates, kind of like Ben said. And Zion, Zion, like with his skill set at the weight he is, I just. I just, I just don't see him ever making that leap and being the and being the ball handler of the team and being able to create. I think that it's easy to think of Zion and think of his athletic ability, obviously, as being his number one, which it is. It's number one trait, his main skill set. But he still is a great ball handler. He can pass when he needs to. He's already shown the NBA. If someone's trying to double him, he can pass out of a double. And when you think of the most dominant players to ever play in the NBA, you have like, guys like Shaq, Barkley, uh, Giannis, what really set them apart when they got good in the NBA, when they obviously they started out really good, but when they became the superstars that they were, is kind of finding your teammates and learning how to play off your teammates. And in the short sample size with a team that's not nearly equipped to be the team that Luka has, I, I think that Zion has shown that he has the playmaking ability and he's going to develop a better playmaking ability so that his teammates can get better. I, it, obviously, he hasn't shown it like Luca has, 
but he hasn't gotten that same opportunity. I also, we've been talking about offense uh, for pretty much this entire debate, but I think there's a whole other flip side, which is obviously the defensive ability. And I think if anything, exactly. uh, that might lean a little more towards Zion. We see players like Kawhi Leonard who can just shut someone down in the finals when, when it's needed most. And I think even, even offensively, we talk about Luka might have the upper hand, at least right now, but I think on the defensive end, it probably tilts a little more towards, towards Zion. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, like, especially at this point, Zion is the better defensive player. And I think a lot of that is attributable to the fact that he is, I mean, 285 pounds. Like, no one's going to bully him. And, yeah, I mean, like, he's ridiculously athletic, can guard, can guard yeah, a couple a couple positions. Uh, but, I mean, wh- or, like, one of the things, and this kind of, like, his si- like, this still, like I said, hinges on his size and athleticism. And with his weight, that's probably not sustainable for a career. His athleticism, uh, you see players like Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard, uh, Aaron Gordon. DeMarcus Cousins. You know, DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. Come at, like, they have this ridiculous athleticism, and they're good. You know, they're, they're good for a couple years when they're young and can, like, go at 110% every single game. But that's, that's just not sustainable to, for as long as. It's not sustainable for them, but it has been sustainable for other freak athletes in the past. I mean, the guys I mentioned before, like, Shaq wasn't a light guy. He was pretty fucking huge, and he still could play for however long he did. He won five championships, I think. Yeah, he was also he was also six inches taller. Four, but... Four, yeah, four championships. He's six inches taller, but that, I mean, Zion has advantages that Shaq doesn't have because he's smaller. He's quicker. And I don't think, you know, you talk about Blake Griffin and those types of guys. Blake Griffin was never, didn't have the quickness, I don't think, that Zion has, especially defensively. Blake Griffin never had the defensive, even now, Zion is a better defender than Blake Griffin ever was. He's He can come from the key and block a three-pointer like he did against Virginia and do make plays that nobody has ever seen before, and he just makes them look normal. He does have, he does have that 45-inch vertical which is the highest of any player, over 240 pounds. Um, even like Blake Griffin and Dwight Howard are 40 pounds lighter than, uh, than Zion is. And when they did their verticals for the combine, uh, 10 inches shorter than the 45 inches of Zion's reported vertical. And just kind of touch on Zion's defense a little bit more. Something that I think is super impressive is if you look at the, the, play, the, defensive, the 19 games of defense we've seen from Zion, he commits defensive fouls on only 1.9% of plays which would put him in the 99th percentile of all players in the NBA already in, in only 19 games. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about potential, but even what he's shown so far shows that he's one of the league's, if not best defenders, scariest defenders, because he has a commanding presence out there that you, you don't want to go to the rim and get swatted by Zion and have him swatted into the 15th row. Like, that's embarrassing for players and as much as you think that might not matter because it's all about numbers like players don't want to go to the rim if zion's there and he has the capability to not only defend the rim but he can defend perimeter guys basically four or five positions kind of like draymond green has and has won championships doing yeah i mean like i said like i'm not i'm not gonna argue i do think zion is a better defensive player now but i mean kind of like some of the things you're bringing up, like with his big, like his big blocks, like scare away people on offense. He's averaging 0.6 blocks per game. Like they in might, 19 games. Blocks might launch him into the stands, but 
with that athleticism, a 45-inch vert, you probably expect him to get more than 0.6 blocks per game. That's, that's again, another thing where it's like, it's potential. He's athletic. There's potential. But at this point, like, he hasn't... I mean, how can how can you say that he needs to prove all of this in his first twenty games in the league? Like, there's no way he could. So you have to talk about potential. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying he I'm not saying like he has to have proved in the first twenty games. I just like the the basis of my argument is I don't see how you can choose Zion, who's come to the league and played nineteen games, over a top five MVP candidate in a. Luka, and Luka Doncic in his second year of the league. And it, like, that's a, that's an argument. Like, yours, like, you, for Zion to be the better player is contingent upon so many things. If Luka stays at the level he's at, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Well, just, but you just said that you already think that he's a better, Zion is a better defender, so he's already better on an entire half of the floor. Zion's probably always been a better defender, to be fair, but. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, how much does it really, like, how much does he really have to go? Obviously, he has to develop his offensive game, but Luca wasn't like an MVP candidate his first twenty games in the league either. Like he was obviously the rookie of the year, and he was came into the league playing amazing, but he didn't get there right away. Zion still needs time to get where he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, but it, yeah, and I and I agree, and I think he'll be a great player, but. Like you can't, like you can't just compare the rookie season to rookie season completely. Like you can bring that up, but the fact is, Luca's made like huge strides even from his great rookie season to this season to be a top ten player in the NBA. I also think, like, you can't just like project project that onto Zion. Also. I also was gonna think. I think Luca still also has room to grow as well. Um, you see, like this year specifically, he's only shooting around thirty two percent from three, which is definitely not great, but. Again, he's only 21. We've seen a lot of players make huge strides in the three-point shooting from uh, year to year. So I think like if Luka can all of a sudden even become a 35 36% three-point shooter, it'll just up his game even more. So I know we've kind of been talking a lot about how Zion has potential. I think Luka has potential as well to, to get even better. And I think one of the crazy things about it, if you kind of contextualize this season from like an MVP voting perspective, as of March 10th, Luka had the third best odds to win MVP. Um, if you look at Odd Shark. And this is only his second year, and he's only 21 years old. And if you look at the players who have been top five in MVP voting in either their 21, their year when they were 21 years old or in their second season in the league, and the list is Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan were each sixth. So again, Luca's kind of already on that cusp of like company of some of like the most elite players to ever play the game. Okay, but then what if what if you think about how in the short time that Zion has played, he was the only player in NBA history to ever get eight 20-point games in his first 10 games, and that's more than guys like Shaq, Grant Hill, all that. It's He's not coming in like he's a scrub. He's still performing. He's still playing well while only playing against adults for 19 games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's 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 done well like we can we can argue about the competition he played uh in those in those 19 games but he's I'm, I'm not saying i'm not saying he hasn't done well but like you can't just like project you can't just project that onto like a whole a full career and like say that as like better evidence than two phenomenal well if, if you say that then who's to say Luca doesn't tear his achilles and he doesn't have a career like it not that obviously that's a terrible thing to happen but 
we're both projecting it's in some sense it's not crazy to project that zion will be an nba superstar because of what he's shown so far yeah i mean like it's like it's cert- like it's certainly possible he has the skills but just at this moment luka is an nba superstar like you're like you're arguing- I would honestly argue at this moment zion is an nba superstar i think i think that he com- the the presence that he has on a court is unlike almost any other player you can think of and is a lot he takes the attention like a guy like basically that's the best player on a playoff team and he's on the floor you have to know where he's at at all times all right guys and if that's not a superstar i don't know what it is we are uh, starting to run out of time just a little bit so i want you guys to kind of get your last word your closing statement in so uh jack why don't you start us off for the for the very last time tell me why you'd rather start a franchise with zion than luca so i mean i've been over it but my whole thing is zion is an athletic freak which is on the level of guys like Shaq, Charles Barkley, LeBron. Those comparisons don't come lightly. He is proven in college that he is the most efficient player of all time to play the college game. He has scored more than any NBA player in his first few games. That's been proven. Obviously, you can't project 10 years into the future exactly how he's going to be. But from what he's shown, I think that he's proven that he is a generator. Luca has accomplished a lot in his few years playing professionally, I will say that. But I, I just think that coming to the league playing adults since you were 15, you probably should be more prepared than a guy like Zion who was playing South Carolina high school kids who were looked like us three. And, you know, Zion has consistently shown doubters that no matter who he plays and no matter how much experience he has, he's always going to be the best athlete on the floor and he's always looking to improve with his passion for the game. All right, Joe, take us away. The last time, why, is, why would you rather build around Luka than Zion? All right, Jordan, LeBron, Bird, Robertson, Harden. These are the only players other than Luka Doncic who have ever averaged 27 points, 7 boards, and 7 assists per game while shooting an efficient 57% true shooting percentage over a season. And Luka did it at 20 years old. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Zion won't be a great player. I think he will be. But if you're, if you're arguing who to build a franchise around at this point, I'm taking any day the person who is a board, like an MVP candidate, a top 10 NBA player at this moment. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, that's, that's, that's what it boils down to. He is, he is already what Zion wants to be. He's at that level. Well, thank you guys so much for a great debate. This is definitely one that will continue for the foreseeable future for years to come. Fans, again, the debate now shifts to you. Make sure to click on the Your Take Podcast bio at Your Take Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Your Take Podcast on Facebook to have the opportunity to cast your vote for who won the debate between Jack and Joe. If you guys enjoyed today's podcast, episode five is coming on Thursday where we will debate which finals run is more impressive. Allen Iverson leading the 2001 Sixers to the finals or LeBron James leading the 2007 Cavaliers to the finals. As you guys will find out on Thursday, both players led pretty poor supporting cast to the finals in those two years, so we will debate which run was more impressive. Finally, if you want the opportunity to come on the show and debate your hot takes and your hot opinions like Jack and Joe just did, DM me on Instagram or Twitter at YourTakePod or comment on upcoming debate questions I'll be posting. The comments with the most likes, the ones that I find most interesting, I'll reach out to you and personally invite you to come on to the podcast to debate your take. 
So thank you, Jack and Joe, for a great debate between these two budding superstars. And I'm looking forward to episode five on Thursday. Have a good night.